You're listening to AIB Market Talk with our latest financial market update. Hello and welcome to our weekly AIB Market Update on Tuesday the 29th of September. I'm John Heffernan from our Customer Treasury Unit and I am joined this week by AIB's Chief Economist Oliver Mangan to discuss recent financial market developments. We will give particular attention to the economic consequences of the recent spike in COVID cases, the EU-UK trade talks, and we'll have a quick look at the week ahead. Good morning, Ollie. This week's market brief, which customers can find available on the FX Centre website, is entitled Time to Double Down. It highlights the impact of the upsurge of COVID-19 cases is having on the economic recovery. How are governments and indeed central banks trying to tackle this? Yeah, well, as you say, the rising cases, particularly in Europe, seen as posing a growing threat to the uh, economic recovery. We're not seeing an increase or major increase in uh, hospital admissions, but there's been a very sharp rise in the number of new cases. And uh, it's beginning to come through in the data. I mean, the, 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 the associated, let's call them increased restrictions or partial lockdowns are impacting on activity and the data coming through for September begin to pick up on that. It's especially so on the services side. The manufacturing data and the construction data are holding up fine, but there's been a noticeable weakening in, in service sector activity, particularly in the sectors which were hardest hit earlier on the year, the hospitality sector, and what we call discretionary spending or non-retail spending are showing clear signs of a loss of momentum. So. Um, that's worrying markets. I mean, you may have noticed in the last week or two very much a risk off tone to financial markets. What we've seen has been a marked fall in stock markets. The S&P in uh, the States, the main in- stock market index there is down by nearly 10% in September. Bond deals have declined. Credit spreads are widening out. Uh, oil prices have fallen back. And in terms of the forex markets, uh, as usually is the case when you see risk averse markets, a flight to quality and it's the dollar and the yen that are benefiting as, as two large liquid currencies so uh, there was a particularly important move in regard to the euro dollar exchange rate um that had been confined to a 117 120 range since uh the late july over the last two months but actually the yen, sorry the the euro fell below 117 last week so that was an important support level given way so it's down towards 116 116 and a half, it could move down as far as 115. But that's just symptomatic of the mood in markets. A lot more caution, concern about the growing threat to the economic recovery we saw over the summer uh, and you know, reflected in the movements in, in all financial markets. Now, central bankers in particular have been, have been sounding, I won't say alarm bells, but sounding warnings that um, the, the recovery over the summer was certainly stronger than expected. Uh, the bounce back was better than we'd hoped for, but th- there are clear signs that it's losing momentum. So that points to the need to keep policy stimulatory. Now, the central banks have already done a lot in terms of lowering rates, uh, very large QE bond buying programs, increased liquidity for markets, etc. But they've been calling on governments that more needs to be done to support economies with demand weakening again. I suppose last week we saw in the UK the Chancellor um, cancelled plans for uh, his autumn budget statement and instead announced new measures to support the economy. We could see something similar here. Our budget is next month. That will certainly go ahead. But I, I, I expect we'll see further supports for the economy being announced by the Minister of Finance. An issue is across the Atlantic in the States. There's a political logjam in Washington ahead of the election. Uh, Congress, the Democrats and Republicans can't agree on a new package. 
the income supports expired in uh, July, August. So those who are on enhanced income payments have been doing without them. And in the States, as a, elsewhere, we're seeing a loss of momentum in the recovery, but no sign that there'll be a new fiscal package agreed there before the election, which is scheduled for um, both congressional elections and the presidential elections are in early November. So that logjam is delaying any stimulus for the U.S. economy, and that obviously feeds through, particularly in the sharp fall we saw in U.S. stock markets over the last week or two. But on a kind of positive tone, Ali, do you expect a massive level of support has been put in by the central banks? And as you mentioned there, their willingness to continue to provide that support to sustain the recovery that we've seen yeah. in the medium to long term that the economic benefits from these actions will be seen. Yeah, well, the OECD produced new forecasts uh, in the last week or so. And they've actually, they, they now think the world economy will contract by a smaller amount than the feared earlier on the year, notwithstanding the recent loss of momentum, simply because the bounce back in activity has been much better than expected over the summer, particularly retail spending, construction, manufacturing. So they now see the world economy contracting by 4.5% this year, as opposed to 6% they were forecasting early in the summer. But they still retain their outlook that for next year, which is that world growth should be of the order of 5%. Now, I mean, a key factor in that regard is that, you know, that they recognise that the, the pandemic has proven persistent, rising new cases, um, you know, partial lockdowns, etc. But on the other hand, real progress has been made in terms of developing a vaccine. And the expectation is that a vaccine will be ready in the early part of next year. Now, I mean, it will take some time to roll it out across populations. But initially, you can target um, at-risk groups, frontline healthcare workers, etc. And then the general view is that it will become more widely available the second half of next year. So I think it's what economists are saying is it is going to be difficult over the next six months in terms of um, large numbers of new cases, uh, restrictions remaining in place, uh, dampening down sentiment, uh, not, a, I suppose, a fallback into recession, but the recovery losing momentum uh, and still a long way to go to recover all that output we lost in the first half of the year. But if you look into next year, I think there's an expectation, you know, monetary policy will remain very accommodatory. And I mean by that is rates are going to remain very, very low for years to come. Central banks are going to continue with their QE programs. Uh, some governments are already extending support measures into next year. We see that in Germany, we see that in the UK, we're beginning to see that in Ireland. I expect so in the US after the election. Uh, and you look at the pent-up demand that's there, you look at the rise in household savings. So they are the ingredients, the, the ingredients are in place for a sustained and strong recovery in economic activity once we get on top of the virus. And that should happen over the course of next year uh, as those vaccines become more widely available. So I think you know, markets are concerned near term. Um, they're hoping and expecting governments will continue to support, I think really over the winter into the first quarter of next year, and beyond that, then hopefully a self-sustaining recovery will take root. It's not that a vaccine will, will see the virus disappear, but it will make it more manageable. Uh, restrictions can be eased. And I say that will form the basis for a more sustained recovery in economic activity. So I don't want to be too downbeat. I mean, the, the markets are cautious near term. But I mean, stock markets remain at elevated levels. There's the expectation of markets. You know, those that fall back in um, in September in, in stock markets, all it's done is really given back the gains that were made in late July and in August. You know, stock markets are still well above the levels that were earlier on the year. They're still discounting, um, you know, recovering economic activity on a sustained basis, taking hold next year and into 2022. And central banks are going out of their way to say, 
we will let that recovery take root. We will not be increasing interest rates. We want to give that recovery enough oxygen to turn robust, create jobs, get unemployment down. Inflation is not coming back. So policy will remain stimulatory. So I think uh, you know it, it will be a challenging few months ahead. But looking into 2021, 2022, there's certainly calls for optimism. And moving on to um, the EU-UK trade talks, GBP has stabilised somewhat in the last week. There are murmurs of progress in the trade negotiations. And to keep the positive tone you just introduced to the podcast there, what is the latest news on this front? Are the UK government now looking seriously to put a deal in place? Yeah, I think that's the message. I mean, the briefings which are unofficial that came last week mainly came from Downing Street and Whitehall, i.e. from London. And there were indications that promises have been made in the talks. There's a feeling that we were we were wondering, did the UK really want a deal? I think the, 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 the message coming through is uh, Boris Johnson wants a deal. He's facing uh, possibly a lockdown of the UK economy, certainly as I referenced earlier, a growing threat to the recovery from uh, the rising number of COVID-19 cases. So he doesn't want to overlay that with a hard Brexit, a crash-out trade deal, that the, uh, or a crash-out out of the, with no trade deal at the end of this year, and all the difficulties that would bring for UK exporters next year. He wants to avoid that. So the the signals we were getting, particularly on the UK side, was that some progress was made in the talks uh, last week. The major talks began today, Tuesday, uh, and last with three days. And it's hoped, it's hoped that sufficient progress is made in those talks that they can move into what's called a more intensive tunnel-like phase of talks over the following two weeks and that a deal will be nearly concluded uh, are concluded in time for the eu summit in october 15-16 so i think you know this is the moment of truth that talks i think this week is very important that we see progress made and that we can move to that so-called tunnel phase which are conducted maybe more uh, behind closed doors very intense two-week period negotiations, thrash out the key issues which are still around the level playing field for trade, the issue of state aids, and the issue of UK's or the EU's future fishing rights in UK waters uh, when the transition period ends at, in, in December. Um, so we're going uh, for people who um, trade in sterling. The next two or three weeks are going to be hugely important if we get that progress in the trade talks we will see sterling recover that ground it lost over the summer remember if you go back to august sterling was down the euros back at 88p went to highs 93 as a reference uh, it's back down now to 90 90 to 91p range uh, we will see the euro fall back against sterling if progress meant the talks it could go back to 86 87 on the other hand if these talks don't make progress over the next two or three weeks and we don't move to that tunnel phase that they're talking about, well, that'll be a very, very worrying sign. And Sterling would fall sharply in those sort of circumstances in anticipation of the fact that we could be heading for a no-trade deal scenario within the year. But as I say, it looks like the UK is up for a trade deal. It will have to make concessions. Um, and some tough talk is in store for the next two or three weeks. But hopefully we get a trade deal in place. And if that's the case, again, it will be reason for further optimism in regard to 2021 that we wouldn't be facing the situation where we've been trading with the UK uh, on WTO rules involving tariffs and non-tariff barriers etc so it would be another positive development in that regard and um, what's going to be a busy week ahead Ollie the next few weeks are going to be very important for our customers who particularly pay attention to yeah. um, sterling and just focusing on the data in the week ahead because the calendar is chocker block 
with ADA. I suppose the highlights will be the US employment report and probably flash uh, HICPs in Europe, or is that fair to say? Yes, obviously we'll keep a very close eye uh, on the Brexit negotiations this week to see what develops there. In terms of the data, you're absolutely right. Front and centre is the US employment report from Friday. Now, going back to what I started off with, you know, um, what we may see there is that loss of momentum in the recovery. Now, uh, we still expect to see a significant increase in the level of employment, but it may drop back to less than 1 million extra jobs uh, being generated in September. That still leaves the US economy about 10 million jobs shy of where they were before the COVID crisis hit. So what we've seen over the last couple of months is very large increases initially in US employment as the, the economy reopened, but the, that pickup in employment beginning to lose momentum. And again, uh, that may be evident in the September jobs data. That will translate as well into the unemployment figures. Again, I think the unemployment rate got up to 40 or 50% in the US uh, at the height of the pandemic back in, in April and May. It fell sharply over the summer, uh, but the feeling is that we may only get a modest decline. The unemployment rate may just inch down from 83 to around 82 8.1%. So again, um, I suppose adding concerns in the... To, and to mark concerns that the recovery is losing some momentum and highlighting the need for further stimulus uh, to support the economies, uh, the US and elsewhere, uh, over what are likely to be some long winter months. And Oliver, I think we'll call it a day at that. Thank you very much for your update. And a big thanks to our customers, colleagues and listeners for joining us on this week's podcast. To stay up to date on the latest market developments, please subscribe to AOB's Market Talk on the podcast apps for iOS or Android. And for those customers impacted by the pandemic, you can find details of AIB support packages at aib.ie forward slash COVID-19. Thank you all for listening. Take care. Thanks for listening to the latest edition of AIB Market Talk. Allied Irish Bank's PLC is regulated by the Central Bank of Ireland. First Trust Bank is a trademark of AIB Group UK PLC authorised by the Prudential Regulation Authority and regulated by the Financial Conduct Authority and the Prudential Regulation Authority. Allied Irish Bank GB and Allied Irish Bank GB Savings Direct are trademarks used under licence by AIB Group UK PLC, authorised by the Prudential Regulation Authority and regulated by the Financial Conduct Authority and the Prudential Regulation Authority.